As I breathe in, I establish myself in the present moment. Breathing out, I know that this is a wonderful moment. Present moment, wonderful moment. From whom do we hear the most negativity? The most common answer I've heard in conversations at camp this summer has been ourselves. Who else so frequently, so relentlessly, tells us that we aren't capable enough, that we aren't smart enough, that we aren't funny enough, that we're too awkward, that we aren't enough? Can you imagine saying any of these things to someone else? let alone a close friend or someone we care about? What would ever drive us to say things so hurtful, so demeaning, so totally against the values that make this community great? There's no good reason. So then why do we say these things to ourselves? To say 2020 was rough might be the understatement of the millennium. I'm sure each of us face challenges totally unprecedented in our lives? I know I did. In the spring of 2020, I was returning to New York City, excited for another semester at college. After the previous fall spent abroad in London, I was ready to fully take advantage of a city I felt I had been taking for granted. I knew the museums and art exhibits I wanted to visit. I had concerts booked for the up and coming spring. My classes were interesting and fulfilling, and I was thrilled to spend more time with the friends I had made abroad and reconnect with those I had missed. And then COVID hit. I remember the week leading up to spring break as the situation rapidly changed. At first, the online midterms thought only to be a precaution were the norm. As I got on the bus home, I was fully confident I'd be returning to the small studio apartment I had spent hours decorating in just under a week. And then suddenly, I wasn't anymore. In fact, I would just have five days to return to the city and strip down my apartment and totally move out. As the weeks progressed and the lockdowns kept getting longer, I lost any hope I had to return to the spring I had been expecting. For a while, my classes provided me with structure. A painting class I took on a whim was my outlet for all the frustration and sadness I felt to be confined again to the room I had grown up in. Found it harder and harder to stay engaged with my online lectures, something I'm sure all of you can relate to, but my schedule and my finals were something I could focus on, work towards, a purpose. After the semester, I was completely lost. The closure of camp meant the plans I had for the summer evaporated. Unable to see my friends, the weight of loneliness was crushing. I had lost the footing I was beginning to find living on my own, out away from the town I had grown up in. It felt as though the rug had been pulled out from under me. When I was alone that summer, I had spent most of my time living on my phone or my computer, wasting my time watching YouTube videos I'll never remember, 
endlessly scrolling through feeds on Instagram and Twitter. I drew inwards, rarely seeing or talking to my friends. I no longer felt like Wesley, but rather just an entity in a room, adrift. Simply put, I was not happy. And then disaster. Returning from a short bike ride less than five minutes from my home and not wearing a helmet, I hit a large pothole and was sent crashing down into the pavement. What seemed like just moments later, I was laying in a hospital bed with a, line, a blinding headache. I had fractured my skull and was severely concussed. I'd experienced pain in my back and legs so bad I couldn't walk or sleep. CAT scans revealed brain hemorrhaging the size of golf balls, and the neurosurgeon told me if the accident had, any, had been any worse, I would be dead right now. In the coming weeks, I was at my lowest. I felt a deep shame for scaring my parents and my friends and anger with myself for being so thoughtless as to not wear a helmet. How little did I care for myself and the people who cared about me if I let this happen. And though there was an outpouring of support from the people of closest to me, support for which I'm eternally grateful for and shudder at the idea of going through my injury without, um, but when I reached out to someone who I'd considered as close to me as family, they never returned my calls and blocked me. I doubt I'll ever convey with words how terrible it felt to be discarded so quickly by one of the people I had shown the most genuine side of myself. After returning from the hospital, I would spend hours in bed spiraling and feeling deep self-loathing, feeling as though I was not deserving of the time and compassion given to me by my friends after months of isolating myself, they were still there for me. And where had I been for them? I questioned my self-worth, asking what it said about me if a person I held dear didn't even bother to find out if I was okay after I had died. And I'm not saying these feelings were at all rational or justified. Rather than focus on the love and support I received, I let myself fall into self-loathing. I was blinded to all the good and positives in my life and instead fixated on the most negative version of myself. I hated myself and I felt negative feeling, I hated myself, but negative feelings of this extent are never based in reality. And I'm not telling you this right now to garner your pity or your sympathy, and I hope I didn't stay negative for too long. I'm just telling you that to give you context to the person that I am right now because I'm no longer that person. Today, I can confidently tell you that I love myself. I am here telling you that the past seven months of my life have been the happiest I have experienced in my entire life. And the, happiest, the happiness I feel now is solid. This happiness is not something that just happened to me. I had to work for it. Loving yourself Treating yourself with kindness and compassion and being someone who will lift up others is a skill that can be and needs to be practiced. My injury forced me to take the fall semester off and as I healed, I realized I had been given a second chance to live a life that I was proud of, a life that was full and that was happy. I had to learn how to love myself. 
The first thing I focused on was improving the way I talked to myself. Negative self-talk only serves to limit you. When you tell yourself that you can't do something, that you aren't a good person, or that you are not someone who's fun to be around, that is who you become. Now, now, when my self-talk becomes negative, when in moments of frustration or exhaustion, and the voice in my head goes, you're so stupid, you look terrible today, I hate you, I stop, I breathe, I take a step back, and I ask myself, was that really something kind? Do I really believe that? Why am I doing that? What do I really need right now? Because we all have that little negative voice in our heads. But I need to stress to you, nothing he says is ever the truth. I started to be my own number one cheerleader. I started to compliment myself. Wow, incredible fit today, Wesley. <laughs> Telling myself I am proud of my own accomplishments, no matter how small. Great job pushing yourself to go to the gym, Wes. Let's go. <laughs> and telling myself I love you in the same way I tell my friends and my family. Hey Wes, great energy today. I love you. Practice this kind of self-talk to yourself while you're here at camp. Every tennis ball hit with the perfect amount of topspin, that dovetail that fits just right, or that jib that jibed, safely jibed in a sailboat can be a small moment of celebration. A quiet kind of joy when you recognize your own personal accomplishment solely as an end in and of itself. You need to talk to yourself as if you are a dear friend. No one else will be there for every single one of your most difficult challenges and your most hard-fought accomplishments. And being compassionate to yourself does not mean letting your errors slide or not holding yourself accountable to the standards you've set for yourself. In fact, it's the exact opposite. One of the most valuable lessons I've learned on the council this summer is that constructive feedback and being held to high standards is one of the highest forms of care between two people. Who else would let you know of ways to genuinely better yourself than someone who wants the best for you? Who else would push you to meet a high standard than, some, than someone who sees that you can be and wants you to be the best version of yourself? At camp, a lot of us say it's easy to be our best selves. We are surrounded by people who expect the best of us, and we have systems in place to push us to be better. Here, set those standards for yourself. Part of camp is taking the gifts we receive here and bringing them home. So set those high standards for yourself. Set standards like, I am someone who is on time. I am someone who is kind and doesn't snap at others when I am tired and frustrated. I am someone who exercises regularly. Standards like these are kindness not only to yourself, but also to the person you can and will become. At camp, it is possible 
Wait, and camp is possibly the best place to sow these standards from thoughts into actions into habits. Rather than having your dorm COI force you to be on time to early morning showers or the counselor on your hike remind you to be kind in the heat of adversity, let camp be your structure to practice your plan. Be up from tub promptly because it's important to you and to your dorm. Be kind to others because that's the person you want to be. Take advantage of camp systems when they give you the opportunity to practice and crystallize being the best version of yourself. The next thing I focused on after my accident was choosing to engage with the activities that actively brought me happiness. For me, some of those things are music, exercise, and seeing and talking to my friends. In the months following my accident, I prioritized and made time for these hobbies. I developed a lifting routine, going to the gym four times a week. I tracked my progress and followed a system that made me excited for each workout. Lifting was something that focused me entirely in the moment and is something I thoroughly enjoy every moment of. It gave my weeks a structure that I'd sorely been lacking and seeing myself slowly improve gave me back the confidence in my body that I'd lost and a sense of accomplishment each time I added a little bit of weight to my lifts. In regards to music, I began to more thoughtfully choose and search for music that would fit with the different experiences I was having. I found jazz al albums I would read to in the morning, and rather than driving to the gym, I would walk 30 minutes and listen to albums that got me energized on the way there and choose fun or interesting albums to listen to on the way back. As a result of putting that effort into the, an activity that I love, I found so much more music that makes me happy. I can confidently play music at functions and I get to see my friends smiling and energized and I can also play music for myself to lift up spirits when I'm alone. Lifting and music are just a couple of the activities that bring me joy. What are yours? It's okay if you don't know yet or if you only have a couple, but go out and find them. Try new things. What's the worst that could happen? You do something that you don't end up enjoying for a couple of hours at worst, but what if you do like it? You've just found something new that can bring you happiness over and over again. I started rollerblading this past semester on a whim, and I know I looked incredibly goofy gliding around Central Park, but it brings me so much joy. So don't let the opinions of others stop you from trying or doing something you love. Why would you ever let the opinions of people nowhere near as invested in your happiness stop you from enjoying the time you have on this planet? Additionally, I started to make more of an effort to reach out to my friends. After isolating myself for too long, I practiced the mantra Mr. Michael so poignantly highlighted in his last chapel talk. To have a good friend, be one. To have a good friend, be one. 
How could I work to maintain the friendships that were there for me in my darkest hours? Too often in our culture, I see a, the damaging thought that asks, if I stopped reaching out to my friends, how many would still message me in two weeks, a month? I hate that line of thinking. How many of you felt a slight tinge of regret for not reaching out to the incredible people that surround you right now over this past year away from camp? Not that you should feel any guilt or fear that it somehow negatively impacted the friendships and bonds so evidently on display here each day, but also remember how easy it is to shoot anyone here a text or a call, I'm sure it would make anyone's day to see a message this winter just checking in with them. A faithful friend is the medicine of life, so be that friend to the people you most care about. You have all the power, you all have the power to give that gift to each other. The last thing I focused on was learning how to find joy in the little moments. All life is, is a series of tiny moments, and so many of these moments are filled with beauty, wonder, joy, pride, and happiness. And in those moments, nothing could be more important than taking the time to, to step back and soak it in. Take the time to breathe in the beauty of the setting sun and exhale the quiet of a starry night. Sit in the pride of the duty thoroughly finished. Be present for the joy in seeing and catching up with friends you haven't seen in a while. These moments are fleeting, but life is filled with them. A quote from the Vietnamese monk Thich Nhat Hanh, which has really stuck with me, says, when we drive, we usually think the most about how we will arrive, and thus sacrifice only a journey for the goal. But life is in the current moment, not in the future. Learn to love the journey, the little moments, and by doing so, every day becomes a day worth living. Many of you have come to ask me what my tattoo means. It definitely is not obvious looking at the colorful butterflies and the stylized wait the, and the stylized eyes sometimes i've made a joke or i've given you a half-baked answer because i hadn't really thought it out at the time but now i can tell you that it represents that i can create the joy and the moments in my life that are special to me it reminds me of the work i've put into loving myself and of a moment this past spring after i'd put into practice the self-love and compassion I had been learning in the fall, where once I had finished my finals, I took a step back and realized I was happy again, genuinely happy again. We are all blessed with a gift to be here, surrounded by all these incredible people, by the love and the happiness we feel daily. And nothing seems more important to me than making most of the gift we have been given by learning how to be happy, how to be kind to ourselves, how to love ourselves. Because how else can you share that gift 
if it doesn't come from that from within how else can you share some of the most genuine and beautiful emotions if they don't come from within remember that self-love is a skill you practice remember to po practice positive self-talk seek out feedback and hold yourself to high standards prioritize spending time doing what you love and what makes you happy reach out to your friends and if right now you still don't feel like you deserve to put that effort in to love yourself if some voice still tells you you aren't enough I am telling you it is wrong plain wrong you are enough you are enough to be happy you are enough to be kind to yourself you are enough to support yourself you are enough and when you are there for yourself like that, clinging to that solid rock of self-love, every moment in your life can be magic. Thank you.